0: Hello everybody, welcome. Once again, as we continue on in our study that we're doing on, uh, at this point in time, the book of Matthew, we're up to chapter 4 of the book of Matthew. We're taking it a verse at a time and working through it together, uh, trying to cover a chapter as we get together and meet in the 20 or 25 minutes or so that we have together. And so, um, we're going to be looking tonight Matthew chapter 4 and... Uh, There's some neat stuff in the chapter. Uh, We left uh, chapter 3, the end of chapter 3, and we were at the baptism of Jesus. And uh, we talked about all that entails and what that means. Today's um, big sort of uh, message will be about uh, temptation and uh, what took place with Jesus as uh, he was led by the Spirit out into the desert to go through this time of temptation. So that's sort of an overview of Matthew chapter 4. Let me read it. And uh, you can follow along it's on your bulletins. you can open your Bibles if you want to read there, uh, whatever is most convenient for you. but let's uh, read Matthew chapter four, beginning in verse one and reading through verse twenty five. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and when he had fasted forty days and forty nights afterward, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, "If you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread." But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the regions and shadows of death, light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven. At hand. And Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father. And followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, Judea. And beyond the Jordan. So, we, uh, we get to the beginning uh, now, in essence, of the ministry of Christ. And what it looks like. And we've spent a lot of time uh, in the past talking about the ministry of Jesus and the kingdom of God. And so you, you begin to see that as we enter into Matthew 4, that becomes the focus of the ministry right off the bat. But I want to kind of concentrate on what happens, first off in uh, in this time of temptation. One of the first things a lot of people ask when they, when they read the particular uh, the verses here in Matthew is, what spirit uh, leads Jesus into the desert? And it's the Holy Spirit. Because it doesn't seem like something the Holy Spirit ought to be doing. Right? I mean, you kind of go, well, that doesn't seem right. Why did this have to happen? Why did Jesus need to go through this temptation period? How could this season be the will of God? How could it be the will of God for Jesus to go without food for 40 days and to undergo this uh, tempting of the evil one? And ultimately, it was to demonstrate the quality of Jesus. Um, What we'll find as we look at the temptations, and we've, we've talked about this, but I want to talk about it again, is that they are remarkably similar to what happens in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. They are virtually the same sort of temptations, tests, if you will. And our first ancestors didn't pass the test. The first Adam failed the test. Now, everybody likes to blame the fall on Eve, but the Bible is very clear in the original language that Adam was right there. uh, Because it says, Adam, who was with her. So uh, he didn't stop it, he didn't say anything. He just went along with the process. He failed these very same tests. Jesus is coming and he is coming not to be served, but to serve. He is coming to offer us life eternal. He's coming to pay for our sin. And and so this season of testing and temptation has to be taken care of. There's no Easy way out. And ultimately, that's what the enemy is trying to give to Jesus. An easy way out. And ultimately, that's what we often look for in our own lives. Um, we sin because we want an easy way out most of the time. We, we don't get that the path to life doesn't always feel like it. And, uh, and so we struggle and we fall short and we miss it. But Jesus couldn't. Uh, well, if he did then His sacrifice at the cross wouldn't, wouldn't have worked. There's no shortcuts. had to go through the cross. We've talked about why. And, and, and just in case you haven't heard me talk about it, all of us have sinned. We've all blown it in our lives. That sin, by its very nature, has separated us from God. And God is a loving God, and yet uh, there is a standard in, in place. And that's perfection. And, uh, because he's perfect. And we're not. And so we, we all have missed the standard. And the standard isn't good. The standard is perfect. Which would be a huge problem for all of us if Jesus hadn't come and did what he did on the cross. Because he was perfect. He was able to pay a sacrifice, to offer a sacrifice that was enough by giving himself for us to pay for and cover all of the sins that we'll ever commit uh, and have ever committed. And and so this had to take place. There had to be a a sacrifice, an offering, redemption to make up for the fall. Now, the the last 20 weeks we spent talking about how that fits together. Remember that that I said to you from Genesis 3.15 on in the Bible is the, the path and the plan of redemption. And we looked at it point by point by point all the way through to this point. This had to happen so that we could have life. Apart from Jesus going to the cross, we're done. There's no other option that 's it that 's the way, and so Jesus had to come, and he had to uh, and in his testing times demonstrates his his quality in this process. look, I, I want you to be aware of something else as we begin to look at the ministry of Jesus, and I want you to consider what it means that that Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man, and there's something about the fact in, in Philippians it says that he humbled himself and took on flesh, that he took on us. He, he, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but in humility he came uh, to the point of going to the cross. Um, what Jesus demonstrates for us uh, is that you'll notice that his ministry doesn't begin until his, uh, his baptism and, the, and then the Holy Spirit comes on him. See, his ministry is operated under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And and why he says when he leaves, listen, you guys can go and do greater things than these. It's, it's not because just because he was Jesus that he was able to do the things he was. He was Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And guess who can be filled with the Holy Spirit of God now? We can as believers. And we can go and then we're supposed to be doing the things that he did. And we talked about that in, in detail. So, so Jesus is... Uh, under the anointing of the Spirit, able to go and do the things that he does, including this uh, whole uh, time of testing and tempting. And so um, I want to I look quickly, at, well, not so quickly, at the temptations, but I do want to reference the one in the garden and this one so you can see how they're very similar. All right, the first temptation appeals to the physical appetite. In Genesis 3, verses 1 through 3, and if you can write it down, I'll read it to you, and you may want to go and look at it later. Genesis 3, 1 through 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Appealing to the physical appetite. In Matthew 4, 3. Now when the tempter came to him, now the, the enemy is trying to get Jesus, he said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. The enemy uses that little tiny accusation to try and get at Jesus. If. If you are. If you are the Son of God. If. In other translations, since. But still, it's a. He understands he's trying to get an action out of Jesus that would get him to act independently from the will of God. That's the whole point of the whole deal. All right? So the first one appeals to the physical appetite in both temptations. The the second one appeals to the desire for personal gain. Genesis 3, 4, and 5. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Huh. Sounds like a good deal there. You'll be like God. With Jesus, the enemy said this in Matthew 4, 6, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Thirdly, the evil one appeals to an easy path to power or glory. In the garden, Genesis 3, 5, and 6, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So that when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. They failed the test. Matthew 4, 8 and 9. Again, this time to Jesus. The devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down... And worship me. Get at this point that, that the evil one has the power to do and fulfill that promise. Um, because they'd all been given to him because of the fall. Remember, he gained access to God's good creation, uh, perfect creation, because of the fall. He was the, He's the little G-God of this age and of this world. He, he could have done it if Jesus had done what he said. Also, in each one of the temptations... Uh, the, the enemy in, in the garden and in the desert, the enemy twists God's word. And he does this a lot. Uh, in Genesis 3, 4, it says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. But Genesis two seventeen The word of God is the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. That's the word of God. And yet the enemy says, Oh, you won't surely die. He didn't really mean that. That was for a different time, a different culture, a different age. That doesn't apply now. We've come a long way. Matthew 4.6 The enemy says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. The enemy is quoting from Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12. But he skips a chunk of the phrase in the middle It says, in all your ways. And the psalmist is alluding to the fact that the promises are for those who are doing the will of God. And the enemy leaves that part out. Because that's how he twists scripture. So he he twisted it just a little bit. That's not what the scripture says. And it's not what happens. So, the first Adam failed the test. The second Adam failed. Passes the test and Jesus demonstrates his willingness to follow the will of God. The, the enemy was trying to have Jesus be a Messiah some other way than the way of suffering that God had appointed. But Jesus didn't give in to that temptation or any other temptation while he was here. And he defeated temptation by trusting in and following the will of God. And he knew the will of God because he knew the word of God. And you see with Jesus, what he does is he answers each one of those tests with scripture. As the enemy would throw this stuff at him. And, and get that, that um, it would have been, a, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. He was hungry. Um, I don't know about you, I don't always make my best decisions when I'm hungry. <laughs> In fact, if I'm really hungry, you probably don't want me making any decision <laughs> until someone has given me food. <laughs> my, my kids know it well. Daddy, is there a pound cake nearby? <laughs> no. Um, and, and so he's, he's at that spot where he's, he's, in his own strength, he's not going to make it. But see, he's empowered by... The anointing of the Spirit. And and this, this needs to be true in our lives. Look, look, the enemy is really good at getting us when we're weak. Do you get that? You don't get that many attacks when you're really on top of things. They come, but they're like... It's when you're struggling already, when things aren't working out right, when you're already sort of down and low, when you're already sort of kind of just a little off or upset or, you know disappointed or things aren't working out and all of a sudden you're, oh man and then it's just a little thing you just need, the enemy just needs to give you a little push and, and sort of change the, the, the word just a little bit and, and one of his favorites, the enemy loves this one God wants you to be happy I have had so many people try to justify sin with that little phrase I get it but it's not what the book says. And he does care about your happiness, but he cares far more about your character. And he cares far more about us being obedient to his will. Out of a response of love. Sometimes, see, we miss it and we try and do this stuff out of because of a regulation and it never works. It has to be out of a response of love. Anyway, um, I I love the verses that that Jesus, he he, he would speak the word each time. In Deuteronomy 8.3, when he had to do with the bread, he says, uh, So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. That's the scripture that Jesus quotes back to the enemy when he tells him to turn the stones to bread. You understand Jesus could have turned the stones to bread, right? He could have. Deuteronomy six sixteen, when uh, the enemy tries to tempt him to test the Lord, he Jesus says, "You shall not tempt the Lord your God, as you tempted him in Massa." And in Deuteronomy six thirteen, Jesus says, "You shall fear the Lord your God and serve Him, and shall take oath only in His name. Serve the God and, and serve the Lord your God and fear Him only." So uh, he had the response, and he knew that he was going to stand on the word of God. Here's the thing, just so you know, temptation looks pretty much the same today. Um, the enemy, for all his craftiness, hasn't changed his tactics, which which is good, because we can be aware of his tactics. And and the big three he uses, he used in the garden, and he used in the desert, and they're the big three that get us. 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but of the world those are the three that get us in trouble all the time that's it's the same tactics it's the same thing the lust of the flesh your flesh is tough isn't it and the flesh kind of boss you around sometimes wants to be your boss wants you to comfort it take care of it do exactly what it wants all the time it's often not what god wants and and so, but it's a it's a it's a tool. The lust of the eyes. We live in a culture that really makes that difficult because we things look good, and we think, well, that looks good. You, you ever struggle with? Yeah. There's that that whole process. It seems like sometimes you you sort of you, you end up thinking, well, that that's a, that person has it better than I have. I'd like to have what that person. If only I had what those people have, then I'd be all set. If only I had those things. We get all caught up in this, this stuff and it, it doesn't work. But it's the same deal. And the pride of life. Um, pride will get us in trouble. Anybody here ever have your pride get you in a little issue? And again, we get... You know, the thing is... How about this? Do you ever feel it coming on and you go with it anyway? That's when you know you're really in trouble. You, you start thinking to yourself, that's my pride getting in the way. But it's so far in the way that you can't back out of it and you have to just keep following it for a little while longer. And I, I, however, at least when you recognize it, you're, you're on the right track. But it'll still get us in trouble. But here's the good news. Because Jesus passed the test and willingly went to the cross and gave His life as a payment for our sins and then sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us now, we now have the power, power available to us to stand on the Word of God and overcome the temptation that the enemy throws at us if we choose to. We still get to make a choice. And and that's really the big part of our walk right now. We, we're deciding all the time how are we going to do it. Are we going to do it God's way or are we going to do it our way? God's way, our way. God's way, our way. And it's it's... It's our daily struggle. Will we pick up our cross daily and follow after God? Or will we grumble and complain and do it our way and and once again sort of miss the mark and ask for forgiveness and then start all over again and keep on going and trekking so that we don't uh, keep missing? And, and it's, it's this process that we need to be very much aware of and involved in. And so Jesus passes the test and he begins his ministry and uh along the way he begins to gather disciples. I I love the phrase follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Um, there's there's something very poignant in the process. And uh, uh he was grabbing these fishermen. And how uh, do you th- how do you think um, I like the story of John and James They're actually in the boat with their father. And they're working, they're mending nets. And uh, I wonder how Zebedee felt when both his sons said see ya. <laughs> I bet he wasn't the happiest captain on the block. What? It was the family business. And they just left. Um, I sort of uh, picture sometimes that that uh, there's some difficult decisions to be made along the way in the journey. But they decided to go. They they knew immediately that there was something that, that they wanted to follow. And here was this rabbi who was saying, Come, follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. It was... Uh, it was a huge deal, and they they followed. and And Jesus began under the anointing of the Spirit this ministry that we talk about so often. And he began to tell the people they needed to repent, which was we've already talked about what repentance is in in the, in the first part of the, this lesson in, in Matthew. Uh, as John the Baptist message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus takes up the call, repent, change, turn. You're not living rightly. Turn and, and move towards God. Repent. For the kingdom of God is here. It's not fully here, but it's here in part, because Jesus is here. And he's, he inaugurated the kingdom at this point in time. And he begins to demonstrate who God is by praying for people, by speaking God's word, his love, by encouraging people. And, and people's lives are changed dramatically because the kingdom of God is here. And it still has that power today to change people's lives dramatically and and to move us along in the process. So that's where he's heading. That's what's going on. That's the bulk of chapter 4 and where we're heading. And we will um, pick it up from there. Next week as we get together, we'll be in Matthew chapter 5. So if you'd like to read ahead, go ahead. Listen in those bulletins. You, you see there's a little question thing on the other side of the prayer request. If you ever have any questions you want me to try and answer from any of the lessons or the things that are coming up, write them down. And uh, please write them legibly and, and in a 16-point font so that I can read them. <laughs> and, uh, and then I will answer those questions for you. Okay? And just turn them in any time and we we'll would be happy to answer them. Or you can email me and, and get them to me that way and I'll answer them when we get back together the next time. So that's in there for you. That's uh, something we change a bullet and I'm happy to answer those questions if I can. Alright? And if I can't find the answer, I'll either make one up or I will go and do some research. <laughs> no. I will, I will do some research. I promise. Um, so we're good. Pass out your prayer request to me. We'll call it a day there. If you're at one of the venues, they'll pray for you there. Thank you for watching on video and uh, if you need anything, uh, you can go ahead and get a hold of us on the internet or... By phone or whatever. God bless you.